You're listening to Comedy Central. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the planet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? Turns out, that story was way bigger than just an optical illusion. It's a cautionary tale about the decline of clickbait sites, the rise of algorithms and internet polarization, and the end of fun on the internet. Seriously, and that's just one story. We're giving every character their 16th minute. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. April 1st, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Tonight is a Democratic congressman from Brooklyn, New York. Representative Hakeem Jeffries is joining us, everyone. Also, on tonight's show, Joe Biden may have lost the election, why George Clooney is even more perfect, and Trump is now at war with four Mexicos. But first, (laughs) let's catch up on today's headlines. El Chapo Guzman the world's most notorious drug kingpin and Mexican baked potato. (laughs) Prison may have put an end to his cartel days, but now he's got a new career that's even more fabulous. El Chapo is branching out. The convicted drug kingpin's name will now appear on a new line of clothing created by his wife, Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, who once ran a huge drug cartel in Mexico, signed a contract granting the clothing company the right to use his name and signature on its pieces. The line is expected to launch this summer. That's right. El Chapo is starting a clothing line, which makes no sense. (laughs) I want to wear El Chapo jeans about as much as I want to smoke Tommy Hilfiger crack. Stay in your lane. Also, out of all the people, why would a clothing brand want to work with El Chapo? Like, I've never looked at him and thought, hmm, style icon, yeah. Although I do like the idea that El Chapo is just gonna use his drug ring, you know, to like bring in all the clothes. Like he's gonna use his drug mules as clothing importers as well. Just gonna be like, okay, Juan, I need you to take this pair of large khakis and smuggle them in your ass, okay? (laughs) Then you drop them off at DJ Maxx. Be like, whoa, won't they be suspicious? No, it's DJ Maxx, man. Ass khakis are the nicest things in the store, okay? (laughs) Meanwhile, in entertainment news, George Clooney is stepping into an exciting new role. George Clooney is using his star power to call for a boycott of nine luxury hotels, including the Beverly Hills Hotel and Hotel Bel Air, longtime playgrounds for the rich and famous. 
They're owned by an agency headed by the Sultan of Brunei, who starting next week will enforce harsh laws, including death by stoning as punishment for gay sex and adultery. In a column for Deadline, Clooney writes, are we really going to help pay for these human rights violations? You know, this is what I've always liked about George Clooney. He doesn't just have a perfect smile, chiseled jawline and hair with the perfect distribution of salt and pepper. <laughs> and a voice that makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. <laughs> Sorry, what was I talking about? Oh, yes, oh, yes, human rights violations in Brunei. I'm really proud of George Clooney for bringing attention to the plights of the LGBTQ community in Brunei. And I also appreciate that he's chosen the easiest thing in the world to boycott, yeah? He's like, don't stay at these $5,000 a night hotels. You're like, done, George, we're in, we're in. <laughs> Count me in. People are gonna be like, honey, I was gonna book the Beverly Hills Hotel, but George Clooney said we should stay with the, at the Embassy Suites. That's what we're doing, Embassy Suites. <laughs> Moving on to some international news. Uh, you, you know how people will do anything for the gram? Well, uh, I feel like now people have officially taken it too far. The Auschwitz Memorial in Poland is asking visitors to stop taking cute photos at the former Nazi death camp. The memorial tweeted four photos of people using the train tracks as a balance beam. They wrote, when you come to Auschwitz Museum, remember you were at the site where over one million people were killed. Respect their memory. There are better places to learn how to walk on a balance beam. This is so disrespectful. Like, super, I don't even, what is it about cameras? that make people forget how to act, right? We become stupid whenever someone holds that thing up. Like, someone's holding a baby, and they're fine, and then they see a camera, and all of a sudden, they're like, let me dangle this baby over a ledge! And no, I'm not talking about Michael Jackson, I'm talking about Rafiki. I'm not over that shit, Rafiki! <laughs> He's the king of the jungle, not a damn basketball! <laughs> all right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our main story. With just 581 days until the presidential election, the Democratic field has now grown to 16 people, which is the highest it's ever been. Just look at how many candidates are running. Look at all of those faces, huh? <laughs> but before one lucky Democrat gets to take on Trump, they first have to take on themselves. So let's catch up on the latest in the Democratic race with another edition of World War D. Candidates in the race, the front runner right now is someone who isn't even running yet. The 76-year-old man with the 12-year-old teeth, Joe Biden. <laughs> now, currently, the former vice president is putting out feelers to see where he stands. And apparently the answer is too close to women. Joe Biden on defense, after a former Nevada state lawmaker said he made her feel uneasy during an interaction in 2014. Lucy Flores first made the allegation in an essay for The Cut on Friday, detailing the encounter with the former vice president at a campaign rally in Nevada as she ran for lieutenant governor. Flores does not believe it was sexual, but she calls it inappropriate. Very unexpectedly and out of nowhere, I feel Joe Biden put his hands on my shoulders, get up very close to me from behind, lean in, smell my hair, and then plant a slow kiss on the top of my head. Okay. <laughs> that sounded super creepy. And even though she says it wasn't sexual at all, it clearly made her uncomfortable. And it's definitely not okay. I mean, smelling hair is always weird, all right? I don't care who it is. Even if you're in a relationship, if you smell your girlfriend's hair, she won't say anything, but in her head, she'll be like, is he a serial killer? 
Like honestly, smelling hair is one of the creepiest things you can do. It's, it's on the list of creepy things. It's right after collecting doll parts and sneezing with your eyes open. <laughs> Sorry, allergies. Like, like, this is my thing. What is it with America's vice presidents, right? None of them are normal. One guy is smelling women's hair. The other one refuses to be near a woman without a chaperone. Isn't there a middle ground? There's no vice middle president, huh? There's nowhere between Me Too and Handmaid's Tale. No, someone in between. <laughs> and it's not just the hair sniffing. Apparently, Biden also gave her a slow kiss on the top of her head, which, again, is super creepy, all right? As a rule of life, the slower the kiss, the creepier it gets. It's as simple as that. When you greet someone, you keep it quick. Mwah, mwah. See that? Not creepy at all. That's it. Slow kissing when it gets weird. Mwah. You see that? Yeah, super creepy. All those slow ones are creepy. All those men out there doing the slow kiss, don't do that to women you don't know. That includes you, Omari Hardwick, all right? Busy out here kissing Beyonce slowly near her mouth. You don't kiss Beyonce like that. Who the hell do you think you are? You get in, you get out, it's over. You don't linger when you kiss. Let me tell you something. Whenever I see Beyonce, you know how I kiss her hello? I go, mwah, mwah, right? And I do that at home. Then when I see her in public, I'm like, hi, Beyonce, hi, hi. You have no business kissing her. And if Joe Biden's story wasn't weird enough, just today, another woman came out and said Biden made her feel uncomfortable as well. There is now another woman making an accusation that former Vice President Joe Biden inappropriately touched her. Not sexually, not violently, but in her view, inappropriately. The Hartford Current newspaper reports that at a 2009 fundraiser, Amy Lapo said the Vice President put his hand on her neck and pulled her in to rub noses. Lapos tells the Current she was afraid he was going to kiss her what are you doing, rubbing noses with random... Like, as if harassment wasn't bad enough. Now you have to throw in cultural appropriation? What is he doing? <laughs> and I've already seen people online saying, oh, it's just a nose. What's the big deal? First of all, it's an invasion of personal space, okay? And also, medically speaking, the nose is the penis of the face, all right? <laughs> yeah, it totally is. It sticks out in weird ways. There's gooey stuff inside that gets shot into a tissue. And when you're, when you're young, your mom can touch it. But when you get older, that's super weird. Don't touch it, mom. Don't touch it. I've been touching it my whole life. Yeah, but now it's weird, mom. It's weird. <laughs> Let me put it this way. If rubbing noses was just Biden being cute and being a harmless grandpa, how come you've never seen him do it with men, huh? How come? Yeah, Biden spent eight years hanging out with Barack Obama, and not once was he like, congrats on passing Obamacare. <laughs> so now, because of sniff kiss gate, Biden's campaign might be over before it even starts. And people are freaking out, because if he doesn't run, the Democrats would only have 16 candidates to choose from, <laughs> and only six of them would be white guys. An absolute disaster. <laughs> But Biden isn't ready to give up, my friends, no. He's gently grabbing this scandal by the shoulders and he's doing damage control. Biden issued a statement saying, in my many years on the campaign trail and in public life, I have offered countless handshakes, hugs, expressions of affection, support, and comfort. And not once, never, did I believe I acted inappropriately. If it is suggested I did so, I will listen respectfully, but it was never my intention. Oh, you know what? I gotta say that Seems like a nice apology. Because basically what Biden is saying is, look, I didn't mean to make these women uncomfortable, but I'm willing to listen. I'm gonna listen real close. 
gonna lean in there nice and close. Maybe just get a little sniff of bad Biden! Get away, Biden! <laughs> now the truth is, nobody was really surprised by these stories because unfortunately, Biden has been doing this kind of thing out in the open for his entire 200 year political career. <laughs> Questions have been raised in the past about Biden's behavior around women. He was dubbed America's creepy uncle and a walking HR violation. Vice President Joe Biden ended up with a woman from a biker group on his lap. As two biker dudes watched, Biden reportedly told her, quote, I know who runs the show. Wow. <laughs> Check out the looks on those guys' faces. Huh? Look at this dude's face over here. You see that? If you can make a biker gang uncomfortable, you've crossed the line, my friend. But according to Biden, being hands-on is what makes him a good politician. In fact, here's what he was saying just a couple of weeks ago. I'm a tactile politician. I always have been. That's what gets me in trouble as well. <laughs> but I think I can feel and taste what's going on. Taste? <laughs> taste? We're tasting now too? <laughs> Who writes this guy's speeches, Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> I've been all across this great country, and let me tell you this, no one more delicious than Iowans. <laughs> Taste! Now, what's made the story interesting is that while some women are speaking out against Joe Biden's unwelcome nose jobs, there are other women <laughs> who say that for them, Biden's affection was as innocent as he intended. Biden also getting support from Stephanie Carter, wife of former Obama Defense Secretary Ash Carter. She writes that this shoulder rub from Biden at her husband's 2015 swearing-in that some critics have jumped on was simply a show of support between close friends, not inappropriate touching. Oh, now you see, that's kind of surprising because everyone saw this photo of Joe Biden going on a scalp safari and they assumed <laughs> that he had made this woman extremely uncomfortable. But it turns out she thinks there was nothing wrong with it. He was just a friend comforting her on a stressful day while also checking her for lice. <laughs> but look, it's clear that Joe Biden needs to be more thoughtful going forward about which women are willing participants in his follicle diving and which are not. <laughs> and for all the women out there who aren't on board and they're worried about Joe Biden in their world, luckily here at The Daily Show, we invented a new product to help keep creepy Biden away. I was so excited to attend a fundraiser for my favorite charity, but then, I found out Joe Biden was gonna be there. I mean, what if he tried to smell my hair? I was about to cancel, but then my friend told me about get away from my head and shoulders. Get away from my head and shoulders. Coats your follicles in a moisturizing blend of rotten eggs, dead fish, and water from Guy Fieri's toilet. In a formula that's clinically proven to repel former vice presidents and anyone else in a 10-foot radius. So you can look good and smell bad. The vice president barely even shook my hand. Thanks, get away from my head and shoulders. <sighs> also available in close talking coworkers. Mr. Lattic, everybody, we'll be right back.
16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the internet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? But there's way more to this story than that. The dress went viral in early 2015, marking one of the last months that the internet could still be fun. It was just before Trump declared his candidacy for president and polarized and already polarized internet. It was just shy of people deciding what went viral instead of algorithms. And it was just shy of celebrities realizing that they should never, ever tweet. It's more than a character of the day. It's an entire moment in time bottled in a little, well, either blue and black or white and gold package. I'm not relitigating it again. You cannot make it. And that's just one story. We've got a million. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm David Axelrod, CNN senior political commentator, former senior advisor to President Obama, and host of the Axe Files podcast. Join me each week as I interview key figures shaping our world from politics to the arts to sports and beyond. Listen on your favorite podcast app or ask your smart speaker to play The Axe Files with David Axelrod. Welcome back to The Daily Show. Let's talk about the southern border. It's Trump's greatest challenge since that six-piece jigsaw puzzle. You see, he swallowed two of the pieces, so he never stood a chance. Trump has made the southern border his mission. And he said he's gonna fix the border. But ironically, his policies have only exacerbated the backlog there. And this past weekend, it may have reached its worst point yet. Crisis at the border. Customs and Border Protection officials say they are overwhelmed and over capacity. The immigration system is past the breaking point because of a surge of families from Central America asking for asylum. Last month, more than 75,000 people were apprehended, the highest in over a decade. Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen called the surge of migrant arrivals a dire situation and said the agency is facing a system-wide meltdown. The El Paso sector saw such a spike in migrants that last week officials here say they were forced to house some of them under this border bridge. They've now been moved to another facility. Wow. There were so many migrants that they had to be kept under a bridge. That is messed up because there's no place worse than under a bridge. All right. Yeah. Bridges, the under part makes everything sadder. Okay. Birthday party, fun. Birthday party under a bridge, sad. Okay. (laughs) Marriage proposal, romantic. Marriage proposal under a bridge, the opening of Law & Order SVU. (laughs) Now, part of the reason that there are so many migrants coming up is that their home countries are plagued by violence and people don't have money. And when Trump heard this, he decided to help them out by getting rid of all their money problems once and for all. He also announced yesterday, and the State Department confirmed that uh, we will be cutting payments, aid payments, to El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras over the fact that those countries have been unable to contain the flood of migrants heading through Mexico uh, to our southern border. All right. Now, first of all, did Fox News really label Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala as three Mexican countries? (laughs) That's, That's what it says there, right? Yeah? That must have been terrifying for people who watch Fox News. Just like, honey, the Mexicos are multiplying! (laughs) 
Lock the doors! <laughs> and here's the thing with cutting funding. Trump's own administration has said that without aid to these countries, the migrant problem could become even worse for America. It's like when, when my apartment had a mouse problem. I thought I could fix it by bringing in a bunch of stray cats, right? But then I had a cat problem, so I had to get a bunch of coyotes. Long story short, now I run a giraffe fighting ring. It doesn't work. And for the people who are worried that Trump is only gonna increase the number of migrants, don't worry, uh, the president already has a solution for that. He's going to slap a closed sign at the bottom of America. President Trump threatening to shut down the border as early as this week if he doesn't get what he wants. We have right now two big caravans coming up from Guatemala. Massive caravans. Now they're gonna stop them. And if they don't stop them, we're closing the border. They'll close it and we'll, we'll keep it closed for a long time. I'm not playing games. <laughs> Why does Trump sound like a drunk guy who's about to fight Mexico in a parking lot? <laughs> Don't try me, Mexico. I'm not playing games. You want, you want to try me? You try, try me. Ah! <laughs> also, if you're wondering where Trump got the idea to close the southern border, it's probably something he took from his personal life. He was like, uh, last month, Melania shut down her southern border, <laughs> and it worked, folks. Now I wash both my hands before I eat. <laughs> now, in case you're wondering, shutting down the U.S.-Mexico border wouldn't just hurt the hombres down south, no. There would also be more painful consequences here in the US because economists have warned that a closed border could affect 5 million American jobs and over $600 billion in trade. Yeah. And if you think a border shutdown won't affect you because you don't live or work around the border, well, you might want to think again. The US, listen to this, would run out of avocados in three weeks if President Trump shuts down the border with Mexico. Did you hear that? <laughs> Hear that? That's the sound of yoga moms all over America freaking out right now. <laughs> Where will I get my healthy fats? <laughs> so once again, Donald Trump has shown there's no problem he can't make twice as bad. Because you realize if white people can't get avocados in America, they're gonna start fleeing to Mexico. And now there's gonna be a crisis on both sides of the border. We'll be right back. My guest tonight represents parts of Brooklyn and Queens in the House of Representatives as chair of the Democratic Caucus. He is the fifth highest ranking Democrat in the House. Please welcome Congressman Hakeem Jeffries. <laughs> welcome to the show. Great to be here. So cool that you just, like, down the road, you just, like, pop up. This is nice. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what the Democrats are dealing with these days, the Mueller report. It came out, uh, Attorney General Barr says that it proves no collusion, but the Democrats are saying, you want to see the full report. Do you believe that there's something else in the report that, that will further uh, suspicions about Trump, or is it just about being open with the public? Well, I think, first and foremost, uh, transparency is important in terms of openness as it relates to our government. 420 members of the House of Representatives voted to release the full report. Zero voted against it. More than 80% of the American people have said we should see the report. The president himself has said we should see the report. So transparency in a democracy is critical. Right. And it's not clear to me what the president is hiding in terms of 
the failure to release it to date. We'll see what happens on April 2nd in terms of uh, what the attorney general does. Right. Well, I, I guess the argument from the attorney general's side has been, you know, we have to redact the, 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 the report because there are certain, you know, sensitive pieces of information that should not be out and they're worried about people leaking that information. Do you think there's validity to those claims? Well, that's a reasonable statement, but we'll see how far it goes. At right. the end of the day, uh, if there is grand jury material, there is a basis in law to withhold some of it, but there's also a rule that says if there is substantial public interest, the presumption of secrecy can be overcome oh, wow. as it relates to grand jury material. 17 different intelligence agencies concluded that Russia attacked our democracy and interfered with our election in order to artificially try and place Donald Trump at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Right. Seems to me that that's a compelling government interest to figure out what happened, why did it happen, and how do we prevent it from happening again? Let me, um, let me ask you this, to, to that point, where the Democrats are now versus where you're trying to go. There's been polling that has come out to suggest that most Americans do not care about Donald Trump and the Russians. Most Americans care about uh, paying off student loans. Most Americans care about medical uh, bills, uh, about health care. Most Americans care about safety in, in their homes. Is the messaging of the Democrats going into 2020 going to be just Trump and Russia? Or, or is, there, is there a plan of what to do if you assume office? Well, we're going to continue to focus on our For the People agenda. Uh, when we were communicating with the American people in advance of the midterm elections, we didn't talk about Russia. We didn't talk about impeachment. Uh, we didn't talk about collusion or obstruction of justice. Right. We talked about lowering health care costs, protecting people with pre-existing conditions, strengthening the Affordable Care Act, enacting a real infrastructure plan, and cleaning up corruption uh, in the era of Citizens United so we can get unregulated money out of politics and in the era of voter suppression once and for all. That's the conversation that we had with the American people. Right. And so now that we're in the majority, that's what we're gonna focus on. But we are a separate and co-equal branch of government. We don't work for Donald Trump, we work for the American people. And so we do have a constitutional responsibility to serve as a check and balance on an out of control executive branch. Now we will try to find common ground with the Trump administration to get things done uh, on behalf of the American people. House Democrats will never bend the knee to Donald J. Trump, mm -hmm. the first of his name, because this is a democracy, it's not a monarchy. I like how you... <laughs> like you called, that was... That's dope, Donald J. Trump, the, the first of his name, sounds like a Game of Thrones, like... <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool, he's probably gonna take yeah. the first of my name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's interesting that you say we will work together with Trump. Many would feel that that is just rhetoric, but you yourself, personally, have been working with the Trump administration, Jared Kushner specifically, on criminal justice reform. Now, many people have felt like Kushner and his role in the administration is one that's murky at best. But from your experience, it seems like there's a genuine uh, intent to work on changing the way America treats people who have been incarcerated. Well, that's right. And politics does make for strange bedfellows. And... You know, we have a mass incarceration problem in the United States of America. When the failed war on drugs first started in 1971, there were less than 350,000 people incarcerated in America. Today, we have 2.2 million. Disproportionately black and Latino, 
approximately half nonviolent drug offenders. Mm -hmm. As you know, Trevor, we incarcerate more people in the United States of America than any other country in the world. Right. It's a stain on our democratic society. And so we concluded, uh, working with Kushner, who expressed an authentic interest in this issue last year, uh, that Democrats and Republicans should work together to strike a blow against mass incarceration. Right. And we were able to negotiate the First Step Act to help currently incarcerated individuals successfully transition back into society, make sure they had the skills, the training, the education, the substance abuse treatment, the mental health counseling to successfully become productive citizens, reduce recidivism, save taxpayer dollars. And we also rolled back some of the draconian failed war on drug sentencing schemes right. that have devastated communities. And so uh, it was the first step, but it was a meaningful step. It was a coalition of the unusual suspects, the left, the right, Democrats uh, and Republicans, progressives and conservatives, the ACLU and the Koch brothers. And on December 21st of last year, Donald Trump signed the bill into law. That's actually impressive. I'm not gonna lie. The, um... The bigger question some people may have is you have found a way to work with uh, the Trump administration in furthering criminal justice reform. The question is, will the Democrats be able to work with themselves? You know, um, we've seen recently cracks in, in, in the party, you know, factions formed, far left versus more center-leaning Democrats, Ocasio-Cortez versus more establishment um, leaders. Um, Bernie Sanders right now stepping away from most of the party. You know, people saying, we want to um, change the Affordable Care Act. We want to improve coverage. We want to expand coverage. We want to uh, uh, protect people who have pre-existing conditions. Bernie saying, no, that's not enough. I want Medicare for all. Is there going to be a consensus in the Democratic Party or do you see yourselves basically eating each other alive before you get to go up against Trump? Well, there are 239 members of the House Democratic Caucus, 235 voting members. And so what we're gonna try to do is focus on what unites us. And we know that there's a principle that unites us as Democrats, and that is that America is the wealthiest country in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and in that context, we believe that every single American should have access to high quality, affordable healthcare, period, full stop. Healthcare is not a privilege, it's a right. That's our foundation. And so we wanna begin uh, by marching toward universal access to coverage. Right. We think the first thing we can do, and we know there are 235 votes to do it, is to drive down the high cost of life-saving prescription drugs because no one in America should ever have to choose between putting food on the table, clothing on their back, paying the rent, or getting access to the medicine that they deserve. Right. It's gonna be a, a long journey. You seem like you're focused, you're in the game, you're ready to do it. I have one question before I let you go. Um, it seems like a lot of the more high-profile Democrats right now uh, are coming from a few specific places in and around New York. It seems like the boroughs are representing. Do you think there's something about the boroughs that's, that's giving you guys an edge? You know, it's yourself, it's Ocasio-Cortez, we're seeing this. Is, this. is there something we don't know? Well, I have, lo I have love for the Boogie Down Bronx, but we keep it real in Brooklyn as well. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to the show. I appreciate you. Congressman Akeem Jeffries, everybody. Thank you so much. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. 
follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the planet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? Turns out, that story was way bigger than just an optical illusion. It's a cautionary tale about the decline of clickbait sites, the rise of algorithms and internet polarization, and the end of fun on the internet. Seriously, and that's just one story. We're giving every character their 16th minute. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.